ladies and gentlemen, good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, whenever you choose to listen. This is the Pottercast. I am your host, Ben Potter, with my lovely, beautiful, gorgeous guest, Callie T. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, It's good to ben. have you on, although I do think I should disclose um we do have a there might be a conflict of interest here because we do have a professional relationship <laughs> Callie is my boss yeah so yeah I'm in charge yeah exactly so <laughs> she might be running the show today <laughs> so I want to start with just uh I don't know a, a fun light-hearted question okay and um it's what's your middle name because I honestly have no idea yeah and what does it mean okay my middle name is Miranda I, Wait, I think I didn't know that. <laughs> well, it's funny because me and Clarice realized at one point that we like never knew anybody's middle names on our like past teams or um so this year we were like we should learn everyone's middle name. That's how you know that you really know someone. <laughs> yeah. But my middle name's Miranda. I couldn't tell you what it means okay. actually, but I know that my parents were going for a like offshoot of Mary. They just like didn't want to go with Mary. I think it felt too like popular maybe. oh okay so <laughs> <laughs> nice. so they went with like a i don't know what you call that a, a different miranda version yeah yeah variation yeah yeah, yeah. interesting so. mm-hmm. mine is david okay and um i benjamin I'm, david yeah benjamin it's a very jewish name <laughs> yeah very biblical. <laughs> i don't think i don't think that was uh the intent with it uh-huh. i think they i don't even know i don't know where my name came from or what it means i yeah. think benjamin means right hand of the son of God. Hmm. I don't know if that's true. I don't know what David <laughs> means. Um, it'd be interesting to look that up. Like, I know. Meaning what names mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. How do you how do you land on certain names? I know. If there's so many. Yeah. It feels insane. And so many spellings. Like, yeah. have you seen the amount of spellings for the name Ashley? It's <laughs> no. ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. Like, my favorite is, like, I guess from the south, they do, like, A S H. L E I G H. That's yeah. the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah. I I mean, growing up with the name Callie, people always spelled it wrong or pronounced it wrong. They always pronounce it Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah. It's actually gotten better as I've gotten older. I don't know if it's like where I'm living or who I'm like around more, but like growing up, even teachers like always said it wrong. Yeah. Or if you tell people it's Callie, they usually will spell it like c-a-l-i or something oh yeah random like california i guess <laughs> that's weird so, yeah i know that's funny because i knew a lot of kaylee's growing up and mm-hmm. no callies yeah and then that got like phased out right after a certain which point, is probably now I why Callies. yeah now it's more it's a little bit more of a normal name i think when i was growing up it was like i met like one or two when i was a kid so kaylee's or callies callies oh yeah. interesting and there was a lot of kaylee's huh so I think people just like look at it and just naturally go to what they know. Yeah. Which was Kaylee. So. Yeah. That, how do you even land on a name for a kid? That's <laughs> like if it's like an homage to a family member or something yeah, like that. Right. That I understand. Mm-hmm. But like, I I don't know if I could just pick a name for my kid. <laughs> right. I know. I think it's interesting to talk to people about what they like thought about. Like if it was the meaning, if it was some sort of yeah connection to family or like I really like nicknames, so I, like, think about that Mm -hmm. with a name. I'm like, I really love that, like, people always end up calling me Cal or, like, some weird version of Callie. So, um, or, yeah, my parents, well, both my brothers are named after athletes. Oh, okay. And then 
they just liked the name Callie, mostly, I think, because of the meaning. So it means beautiful flower. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful flowers. That's a good. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's a yeah. good meaning. Uh-huh. I don't even know if right hand of the son of God is right. legit. So <laughs> It sounds legit. I mean, yeah, it's biblical. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh. I think one of my brothers was named after like a historical cop, which is interesting. Huh. Yeah, my brother Elliot. Okay. Do you know the story of Elliot Ness? I've heard the okay. name. Elliot Ness is the guy that went after Al Capone. Okay. And like Al Capone and his gang was like really good. They could never get caught. Yeah. Um, and so all like the violent crime that Elliot Ness went after him for. He like couldn't get him on anything. Huh. He's got some really interesting quotes. Like he was like the at the time every police officer was corrupt and no one would go after uh, okay. Al Capone. Yeah. He was the only one going down and wouldn't take bribes or anything. Um, he's got a really funny quote where someone was like, um, "This was during the time of pro- prohibition, and uh, prohibition was just repealed, and a reporter comes up to him and is like, uh, Elliot Ness." Um, or officer Ness, whatever it was, uh, the prohibition's just been repealed. What are you going to do about it? Cause his whole job was like busting people. Yeah. He was like, I don't know, probably get a drink, <laughs> but good. he, um, he ended up getting Al Capone on tax evasion. Huh. Okay. I feel like I have heard his name in a rap song. <laughs> what? That's Wait, there's where... two revelations here that there's yeah. a rap song with Ellie Ness and that Callie listens to yeah. rap. Now I don't want to be wrong, but I, I that's like what it's Elliot bringing Ness. to mind. Is, okay, I'll have what to look it song? up. I don't know. <laughs> what don't kind of rap confident. do you listen to? Well, um, not a lot anymore. I feel like current rap I'm not into at all. Um, but. Gangster's Paradise, that song. I'm like, that's my best guess. Isn't that because, Coolio? Yeah, me, me and my brothers used to listen to that all the time. So, uh, uh, wow, that's a great song. I haven't thought about that song yeah, in a while. It's hilarious. I don't know why we liked it so much, but man, those old that old rap is so much fun. I feel like it's making a bit of a comeback. Yeah, I don't know why, huh. but yeah, that yeah. stuff's fun. I I don't know. I don't listen to most modern music in general yeah but rap is rap is a difficult one for me in particular oh yeah yeah i now would never ever choose to listen to it i don't i think it was probably just because of my brother's oh, yeah. influence that i listened to that even but even christian rap i'm like yeah I exactly do not like it at all well it's funny <laughs> because like the the i don't know stereotype of rap is that it's all about like gangs and drugs and violence right. and things like that and like there's probably some truth to that but all the rap songs that have gotten popular that i've heard recently have been really sad yeah <laughs> like it's all about like i'm i'm depressed i'm like whoa interesting like, yeah huh. <laughs> yeah i i don't know i guess they're appealing to their audience yeah but a lot of young sad high schoolers right right how also how are you like that sad in high school i remember like you know what i mean oh yeah like, you think you're sad in mm-hmm. high school and then you get older and you realize like what was yeah what was i even sad about yeah well i mean i i don't blame them for being sad if they're like cooped up like they you know currently are right but like i don't know even when i was in high school i mean i don't remember being dramatic in particular but like i can look back and be like yeah i probably like overreacted about everything i found my high school journals (laughs) recently and it was like 
oh, wow. I was like, oh, my word. I was really sad. Yeah. And mostly just like friend drama Mm -hmm. that just felt like soul crushing for some reason but i yeah i was like this is so dramatic yeah it's insane well the worst part about it is okay so i didn't do journaling or anything Mm -hmm. like that but uh social media was well established by the Mm -hmm. time i was in high school and uh boy i was not mature on social media (laughs) um i recently had to go through and just like purge everything but then you can't just like delete your dms and i like went through the dms i was like oh like um wow. yeah i was a horrible person in high school like i feel really bad like if i ever get any sort of notoriety uh-huh. like yeah it's it's a People dangerous game like i know i knew him that or just like <laughs> look at what he did yeah. and I, I i'll have to be like yeah i, yeah. I did do that right. <laughs> yeah i am thankful that social media was not a thing when i was in middle school or high school me and my friends from then have talked about like wow we would have been so annoying oh yeah (laughs) mostly just like stupid like Mm -hmm. probably not mean hopefully not mean but really embarrassing just like yeah i'm like i'm so glad that's not on the internet for it creates like a i don't know i just remember like it creating like a weird like cast system almost Mm. of like what level of followers you were at what level of engagement you had yeah on your social media and then balance that with like your already popularity at right. school. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It was very strange. Well, that's true even for adults on social media. Like you still feel that like comparison. And so then to imagine for a teen where you don't have the like, I don't, I don't know, like wisdom to like know that that's not important like that feels like that was everything Mm -hmm. when i was a teen and so then if there was some truly measurable way to see it like the number of followers that would have been really hard for me yeah uh i don't know i'm it's funny because i don't really see myself like freaking out about whatever i post yeah i don't know like i definitely used to um and there are definitely like do you have twitter not anymore. <laughs> you don't anymore. Okay. I deleted everything. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, Twitter's a Twitter's a dangerous place. Yeah. Um. It. Uh, like I've definitely thought to myself, like, will this? Will anyone like care about this tweet? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. On one hand, like I don't want to be dumb. Yeah. But on the other hand, like I don't really want to care either what people think. Um. So, but it is like a public forum, so I just put stuff out there, but. I don't know. I don't really think about like, oh, how is this going to, is this, how are people going to react to this? Are people going to like it? Like, mm-hmm. what's my follower count? Cause at this point I'm like, I don't know. I guess I've just learned who cares. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. cause there's some people that are very well known who aren't even on social media, you know? Mm-hmm. So how are you going to like put them in the balance? And then some people who like have anonymous accounts and no one knows who runs them, mm-hmm. but they've got like millions of followers mm-hmm. and you're like, okay yeah. interesting it's just like a, a place to exist what what gets me about it though is like the instant feedback because yeah. like you could write a book and uh which has fully formulated ideas have somebody read through that have like write you a letter get you a tv interview or something like that and you could get some like slow feedback you have mm-hmm. purchases on your book or even reviews or things like that or maybe not maybe you would just write the book publish it if it were like I don't know, like a hundred years ago and then never know how it goes. (laughs) Um, But now it's like, here's a thought that went on in my brain. 
and then like you could did you hear the story about the woman who posted a, like a racist joke and then got onto a flight oh no yeah she it was like a it was a weirdly like i don't like using this word at all like it makes me sick but it was like kind of like a, a woke racist joke mm. it was like i don't know it was not good yeah it was very tasteless she gets on a plane and she's flying to africa so she was making a joke about yeah okay she lands and she gets a because you have to put your phone in airplane mode she lands and she gets a text and it's like call me if you're okay and she was like, well, what are you talking about? And uh, she goes on her Twitter and she's just, she had like 100 followers or something like that. Uh-huh. And she's just been like everyone caught wind of it Yikes. and just sent her so much hate. She got fired while she was mid-flight, <sighs> but she didn't even know it. Yeah. And uh, it was not good. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, having that kind of instant feedback for anything that mm-hmm. you say, good or bad, mm-hmm. I don't know how that like treats a person. You know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah, has probably affected us more than we know in our, like, like our attention span, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all those things and our, yeah, expectation f- to know immediately, even like immediate affirmation, I think too, like might feel like the positive experience to people, but even that I think negatively influences us in our, probably in our relationships, but. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a dopamine hit. Yeah. That's a. Uh... I've noticed this with, I don't have a TikTok, but I've seen TikToks Mm -hmm. and I've seen certain people's TikToks like they will have TikTok has a very strange algorithm. Nobody really knows exactly how Mm -hmm. to work it, but um, like certain things will just go viral Um, and uh, somebody will put out one video that goes viral, like super viral, like it's got millions of likes or whatever. And uh, then they will notice that, oh, out of this video, out of all of mine, got millions of mm-hmm. likes when the ones I was doing before got, like, around a thousand. And so they will just repeat the format of that video, mm-hmm. like, time and time again. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I feel like that's a desperate attempt just to get that dopamine hit. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, get make me popular again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. You've read that. I saw the Jonathan Haidt book on your um on your desk yes have you read that i have not read the whole thing or actually i have yeah i've barely started okay to be he's he does some really good research into social media yeah. like he doesn't let his kid he, he doesn't let his kid use social media yeah. until they're like 16 well yeah have you watched the social dilemma yeah i have watched the yeah, social dilemma. i found that fascinating that so many people who are involved in creating it now don't let their children oh yeah be on it at all well that happens like all the time apparently the ceo of lunchables refused to let his kid eat lunchables (laughs) it's like when you know the behind the scenes when you know what goes into something you're like oh yeah i don't want my family to be part of that well also there's a level of just like be ethical like if you know that if you don't want to give this to your kids then why are you running this company right why are you giving it to other people yeah exactly yeah yeah that's i feel like they just created like they didn't know they were creating a monster and now it's like far beyond their capacity to like <laughs> I mean definitely like I their business model and just the product itself they didn't realize how powerful and influential yeah. it become because normally you build up a business and it takes like 50 years to yeah. really like be a mega business mm-hmm. um these guys just pretty much found success in a couple of years you know mm-hmm. so it's been I don't know. That's just really interesting to me. Yeah. Like how successful they become so quickly. Well, and especially with Twitter, I think like how 
you can share your opinions so easily with so many mm-hmm. people like that just didn't used to be a thing and yeah like so easily can find people that agree with you or disagree with you <laughs> like yeah. either way and it's yeah that like immediacy i guess of it is really fascinating yeah um i i don't even know how i feel about twitter twitter just feels like the it feels like the cool kids club you know what i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. like i don't know instagram and facebook feel very inclusive to everyone but twitter mm-hmm. is just like it's like a different language you gotta know what you're yeah like what the people are saying and i you gotta just know feel how like to interact. everyone on twitter is angry all the time oh yeah like oh, that's yeah. where you go to complain mm-hmm. and that's so annoying to me yeah it's very dumb but yeah. you also can't get out like it makes sense because you only have 280 characters right. and when you're angry gotta get to like, the point yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um when you've had like a good day you're like oh here's all the good things about my day uh-huh. when you're angry i'm like i'm freaking angry yeah. you know <laughs> and, um just about like one thing yeah so i guess it kind of makes sense based mm-hmm. on the format yeah but also like they're so influential when it comes to politics right like as a platform yeah it's insane like they they have a lot of control i um it's it's funny just to see who gets promoted and who doesn't because i mean Twitter gets accused of having like a left wing bias, which to me actually makes sense. They're in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So like their engineers are probably going to lean left. So they just don't recognize that they have a, I don't think it's a malicious thing. I think Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't recognize that it's in your system, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it's just funny to see what gets promoted and what gets demoted and deranked and stuff like that. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how you ended up at the bottom of this page when you have millions of followers versus somebody who's got a couple thousand, you know? Oh, well. Yeah. It feels like algorithms are more like taking control of our lives Mm -hmm. than anything. So what are your thoughts on like regulating social media? Well, um, I won't say where I lean politically, um, but I am a huge fan of regulating social media. (laughs) Um, I think that um, the reason I think that is because I'm a big fan of free speech Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Generally, I think the founders, when they designed free speech, they saw the biggest threat to free speech as like the government, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because if the government has too much power, they can control what speech comes out. Um, What we're seeing now is a concentration of power in those who run communication platforms, Mm -hmm. a constant like extreme monopolies. So. Twitter isn't the only platform where you can share your political opinion or where journalists can thrive, but it's the platform yeah. where they do. Yeah. If you if if Twitter leaves, journal many journalists are out of a job. It's actually it was actually funny when when um, Donald Trump's Twitter account got banned. Um, a lot of journalists put out articles like, "What do I write about now?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh come on!" Like that's really sad yeah. that's all there you has do. to be something else. exactly yeah you're not a good journalist if you can't write about anything else yeah. but the point is i definitely think that they should be regulated because mm-hmm. they just have way too much power and clearly they're willing to ban people and i know it doesn't seem like that big of a deal right like because we get rid of people in our communities if they misbehave mm-hmm. so that's what it feels like mm-hmm. but it's not that it's like it's like some, I don't know even how to best explain it, but it's, you're just reporting to somebody who knows nothing about the situation, who controls billions of accounts, who's banning based on a couple of complaints that they got yeah. and their own personal bias added into it. Mm-hmm. 
And I know that they say like, oh, we when they violate rules and stuff like that. And I guess that sort of makes sense. But I don't know. It's just super inconsistent. Um, there's something called Section 230, which is the Communications Decency Act, which kind of protects social media is considered a platform. And then, but, but that means you can't regulate your content except within like reason. So you can have your own rules, but other than that, you can't regulate content. Yeah. Um, and they've been violating that and way over, like way overreaching the intent of like the, you yeah. know, have your own rules. So I just think that we need to rework that. Look at that again, mm-hmm. because I, I, I don't know why that is such a political issue. Right. I understand like regulation versus not regul like deregulating like who should have more power, government or mm-hmm. business. It just seems so obvious to me that these businesses have way too much power. And that's the yeah. issue. It's not like whether or not it's government, it's the issue of whether or not it's power. Mm-hmm. So I definitely say regulation. But what do you think? <laughs> I agree. I think that uh documentary or whatever you would call it, the social dilemma was like really enlightening to me. And because I had already recognized that social media wasn't super healthy for me personally. But then watching that was like, wow, this is a whole like industry built on addiction. <laughs> and um, that really turns you into the product rather than the customer. All of that is just like really fascinating to me. Um, and they said in that, like the only industries that call their people users are like the drug industry and social media like which i was just like whoa that yeah that feels Mm -hmm. so real like so i think and then yeah so clearly they have such a monopoly there's so much power involved i mean the past few years we've just watched that like influence did you so many things did you hear how facebook basically bullied australia yeah. Into changing its own legislation. Right. That's insane. It's, yeah. That is insane. That is like, I mean, I, I guess I don't know if it's unprecedented, but that feels so unprecedented. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things where, like, America should see that and be like, yeah, you cannot do that. Right. <laughs> right. There's just no, it feels like there's no checks and balances. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we know even flawed that our government has been set up in some way to have some accountability. Yeah. And this industry feels like it has none. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of whichever way it would lean would be not great. Because right now, maybe it like doesn't bother a lot of people, depending which political way they lean. But eventually it's going to influence everyone, I think. Right. That feels scary, I think, ultimately. Yeah, it's like step in line or, you know, get the boot. Right. Um, What's scary to me, though, is that. It just it shows the level of progress that we're at. So we've progressed mm-hmm. to where the reason it's not very well regulated is because it pretty much came out of nowhere. Right. You know, and you got a bunch of like, OK, no <laughs> offense to the people in politics, but they're pretty much they're mostly old. They uh-huh. don't know this stuff. They didn't they weren't born yeah. with it or raised with it. And it came like within. I mean, really, you could say 20 years, but it was really like formulated within like the last 10 for sure and even more so in like the last five you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's just like concentrating in um but uh like that's the level of progress that we're at to where we can like crank stuff out in a matter of 
decades, Mm -hmm. um, very short. And it's hard for the government then to step in and say, here's what we need to do to make sure that this doesn't go awry. And that kind of scares me because Mm -hmm. social media is just one example of that. What's the next step in progress Mm -hmm. that's going to change the world that the government that's going to happen in like six months, you know, and then everyone's adapted to it in six months. And at that point, the government just hasn't done anything about Mm -hmm. it because they don't know how. And then it's been abused and misused and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's what scares me kind of about social media, looking at the broader scheme of things. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've. Well, I've been reading the book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and I feel like he speaks to that, too, of like just progress is, well, technology specifically is going beyond like what our brains can even really keep up with. And so then it leads to just this like hurried, unhealthy, stressed out culture that is just like not it's not good for any of us. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to make the case that if we stopped making progress right now, we would all be okay. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I get medical progress to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Like, normally, if you were 70 and you got sick, people said their goodbyes. Like, like, I I don't mean to be morbid about it, but that's what it was. You weren't, you didn't turn like 75, have a heart attack and then stay on life support for the next month and a half Mm -hmm. and then eventually die off. Like that's, I don't know. To me, that just seems dishonorable almost, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just want to leave. Let me die. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like if we were just like, okay, we're good where we're at. No inventors, Mm -hmm. no nothing. Don't, don't anybody change a darn thing. And I feel like we'd pretty much be okay. I mean, I guess there's like the whole climate change thing, but (laughs) maybe that's a problem. Well, it feels like we have enough, like issues that we could work on figuring out like i mean even this to like catch up to social media of like okay what does legislation look like in this area regulation what does it look like to do this in a healthy way even like how is this influencing our children (laughs) the coming generations like if we pause spend some time you know figuring out that side of it i mean yeah it'd be great but i just don't there's no way (laughs) yeah exactly i don't know i think we're just we're gonna we're gonna do something we're gonna do something that's really not good for us you know well i think even the like short attention span immediate gratification all of those things build in us this desire for like what's next what's new like gotta find the next thing so even with progress we're never satisfied (laughs) yeah it's a good point actually like Wow. <laughs> the more we progress, the less satisfied we become. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, because it used to be like, I don't know, during the Industrial Revolution, like it was cool if you could farm with like a machine, like, but that was great. That was just about it. Yeah. Now it's like, if your crop doesn't do all that well this year, now you need um, like certain pesticides and things like mm-hmm. that. And it's, I bring that up a lot just because I'm from Iowa, though I'm not from farm area. Mm-hmm. Like my, um, my grandma owns farmland and I've been to certain conferences just to learn more about it. Cause I'll probably end up getting that farmland. Um, hmm. so Sweet. breaking in the dough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, she just manages it. She doesn't actually live there. Um, but it's really interesting cause that's probably one of the most regulated industries I've ever hmm. seen. It's very weird. Like it's, 
it's funny because um, the guys from the EPA, it, it's really not good, but like the guys from the EPA could come down and then um, it could be like the day after a pretty heavy rain. So you got about like a quarter inch of, you know, rain still mm-hmm. just soaking into the ground. Um, and then they can see that measure how much water is there. They can declare that land a wetland, which hmm. uh, which is done in order to protect the wildlife there, but it's farmland. They can declare that land wetland, and you can never farm there again. They can hmm. just seize your land. Dang. It, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, like that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's not a it's not a fun industry to work in. That's kind of why I just want to like. I don't know. I guess it's like maybe that's like a Gen Z thing, but the idea of like working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Everyone's starting a business now, mm-hmm. which is cool. But like, I just, I, I guess I don't really care who I work for. I just want to like live on my own land. Yeah. You know, do my own things. Like, no I, one tell me what to do. It's so interesting because I think just like in the world, in culture, like there's always pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. Even like, I feel like what you're describing is like, I just want to go back to like <laughs> before. Yeah. I want to go back to when it was simpler. Like life is so complicated. And so I think that's always so interesting how we like go, 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 go towards one, whatever it is, like. And then we realize, like, oh, no, no, that's not, you know, even Mm. in, like, talking about progress, it's, like, for you to say, like, can we just not anymore? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's what people would maybe expect from your generation, but it's, like, kind of refreshing to be, like, listen, can we just, like, slow it down, live on the land, Mm -hmm. have some chickens? (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that Gen Z is slightly more conservative Hmm. than every generation before it. Well, no, no, no. Um, it's the first generation in a long time to show more leanings towards conservatism. Hmm. So it's actually grown more conservative. That's okay. the first generation. For the most part, it's gotten more and more and more like liberal or progressive. Right. Um, also more Christian, I think, which is interesting because hmm. you think that it's like the Gen Xers having Gen Z, right? It's not millennials having Gen Z kids, right? Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Where did that come from? Because Gen Xers, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. They grew up with Rage Against the Machine. I know. <laughs> Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's like we want to be everything our parents weren't. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, sometimes we're so focused on becoming what they weren't or what they did wrong. We want to avoid, you know. That's interesting because I, I don't have that opinion at all. No. Like, like, my parents were great. Right. I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. But I know, I think for my parents, they feel that way about their parents wow. in some ways. They're like, like, they felt like their parents had a lot of involvement or control over their decisions and mm-hmm. their lives. And so they, like, got married. They, like, up and moved across the country. <laughs> and then when it, like, for us, like, we all chose to go to college, like, really far away from home and... All those kind of things, they were like really hands off in their decisions because they had experienced the opposite. They were like, we want to like let you make your own decisions. And so it's interesting then. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't feel that way about my parents at all. Yeah. What's funny is like, I guess I'm just I guess I've surrounded myself with people who are now talking about like marriage and kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because they'll they'll talk about um you know, this is what my parents did wrong. I'll never do that to my <laughs> kids. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. But to act like that is like the 
most detrimental thing you could do to a child Mm -hmm. versus all the other mistakes you could possibly make. (laughs) It's like you're going to mess up and your kids are probably going to say the exact same Mm -hmm. thing. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I know my parents didn't handle things all too well. Like, I mean, they handled things very well, but there were certain things that they probably could have done better. Right. But like, I'm never like, I'll never do that. You know? Yeah. Well, it's not like something you get like to be an expert at. (laughs) Right. Like every person is parenting like for the first time. So yeah, you just like, obviously are going to mess stuff up yeah mistakes and yeah hopefully it's not in like super detrimental ways to your kids but Mm -hmm. it feels like you could avoid some of those major ones yeah seriously like i don't know but also i'm like how why would you blame your parents for the way that you were raised if they at least like were there Mm -hmm. you know i see that like so much like people just being like they didn't understand they didn't care i'm like i don't i don't know yeah because it's like they're doing their best you know they're there Mm -hmm. and i think that as long as you're there as a parent that's pretty much the best credit that you can Mm -hmm. get like two if you're raised in a two-parent home you're probably going to be fine maybe your parents are like genuinely abusive a lot of people say their parents are emotionally abusive i'm not going to doubt that but Mm -hmm. also i'm like how emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. you know and is it technically abuse or is it just you know your parents say clean your room or you don't get to play video games or something like don't just yeah don't use that term too yeah because there are people who are genuinely emotionally abused by their parents and then it's kind of lightened by the idea of like i don't know your parents telling you to do chores Uh which has always been my problem with people who self-diagnose with um depression and anxiety Mm. i've never liked that and i am very careful when i say like because I don't know. Anxiety, I never knew it was like a legitimate, um, but I didn't know it was like a legitimate diagnosis until like probably I was in high school. Mm. Um, But it's a word I would always use because I had feelings of anxiety. So now I'm very careful to use words like anxiousness Mm -hmm. or like if I'm feeling like really heavy for one day and really down for no reason. um, I usually just say like melancholy or sad or something like that rather than depressed or anxiety or even stress i'm starting to be a little more careful with Mm. but yeah that's that's a weird area to tread because i don't i don't even know how to deal with stuff like that right you know it's weird to me that we're medicating though that feels very strange to me Hmm. um i don't know for anxiety and depression yeah specifically for those um i don't know it just doesn't seem like the way to fix those things. I guess I, I have heard stories of that like legitimately yeah. working when you have an actual chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like there's, for most people, that's just very detrimental. Um, when I was a kid, a lot of people thought that my, I might have ADD or ADHD. Uh-huh. Um, and I talked to my parents about it. And I was like, can we like check it out? They're like, no, because they're going to try and get you diagnosed. And then if they get you diagnosed, then they're going to try and get you medication. Mm-hmm. We're not getting you on that medication. Mm-hmm. And I was glad because later I took a pharmacy class and I found out that it's amphetamine salts. You're mm-hmm. literally taking meth <laughs> for ADD. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That does not seem like a good way to handle that. Sure, it helps you focus, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I think I have been, I mean, I studied psychology in college and like even in this job have like known 
people who've been medicated for those things and have seen it like really help. And I think I like what I get nervous about is when we're like too spiritual about those things. Like just you just need to pray more and your anxiety will oh, go away. Yeah. I'm like, listen, it won't like <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's literally your brain like mm-hmm. and prayer obviously helps, but it might not be the true solution for someone. And so and I think have had conversations where people's parents really don't want them to be medicated, but they want to be. And that feels really complicated oh, yeah. and sort of sad to me because I'm like, if there's a way that like we could through science Mm -hmm. help yeah balance out some things in your brain so that you can actually function the way you were meant to Mm -hmm. then like why wouldn't we do that right my i guess my more area of expertise is along the lines of addiction because i've had like Mm -hmm. experience in that yeah and so i uh and to the audience listening you don't get to know that story yet (laughs) um but um yeah i when it comes to like I'm just really nervous about people getting addicted, you know, and then that like legitimately changing your brain for the rest of your life. And I know that when I had to like overcome addiction, um, I, I, it was like a really, really difficult struggle for me. And, um, I had to change a lot about the way that like I lived Mm -hmm. and who I was around and what I did. Uh, there were like, it was three weeks of being really, really hard. Hmm. Um, and I couldn't sleep for a lot of those nights. I couldn't, you know, function very well. Yeah. I was very bitter and angry and just irritated all the time. And, um, you know, afterwards it was pretty great, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, it took a while. Mm-hmm. And so that's my area of concern. I'm not too concerned about like, you know, if someone medicates and it helps a little bit, although like my, what I'm, th- kind of what I was saying with that is more like I I guess I'm I see a lot of like good stuff coming from like meaningful work you know Mm -hmm. and like I feel like a lot of people are just without meaning um and I feel like that's a a lot of the source of the problems because it doesn't seem to me that it just starts with the brain to me it seems to be Hmm. a little bit different but I get it. Like mm-hmm. I have a brother with autism. I know it's different. I do, but that's clearly an imbalance, right? Like there's something a little bit off. Mm. He doesn't have to medit. Well, I don't even know if he medicates. Um, that's not important, <laughs> but, uh, so I get it. Um, and it seems to be on the rise, mm-hmm. but I feel like for a lot of people, it might just be find something meaningful in your life and take responsibility for it. Like, like mm-hmm. take a hold of it, you know, right. do something about it. Yeah. I don't think we like help people cultivate that very well. Right. I like in this past year, I think that's been huge for people like a loss of their job or their job has looked different or whatever. And so then you, you lose that meaning or purpose in your life. And it's really, yeah, that's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to think about like, if you talk to people who are like, I've been anxious my whole life, like, as a kid i mean i am not i've never been medicated for anxiety but have definitely i think essentially been diagnosed by a counselor with like general anxiety Mm -hmm. and i'm like when i think about it like as a young kid i can now identify like oh that was anxiety Mm -hmm. like when i couldn't sleep at night and my heart was racing and i was you know nervous about who knows what like that was anxiety as a 10 year old like Mm -hmm. 
And I had a pretty great childhood. <laughs> so yeah. it's not from trauma. It's not, you know. Um, and so it's interesting because I'm like, yeah, I think for some, it probably has been there all along. Yeah. And it now we're getting better at diagnosing those things, I think. Even just a friend was like talking through um, in their counseling program, like what it looks like to really truly diagnose someone and the amount of questions that they ask and like the process is pretty extensive actually when it's done correctly yeah and so i think there has to be a lot of trust in that system too like for counselors to really know Mm -hmm. what they're looking at and to not misdiagnose because that you know could have really terrible consequences so yeah and i think it's interesting like i remember talking to a student who's like i just I'm afraid I'll end up being on this medication for the rest of my life. And I was like, well, like if it helps you like live the most normal life you could, like would that maybe be the worst thing? So I don't know. It's interesting. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, surely the Lord didn't like, surely that wasn't his original design for us to be (laughs) medicated. His original design was not for us to die either. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of things that we experienced. So if, yeah, if modern medicine can, help yeah like why not Mm -hmm. yeah i guess that's also like part of that is my resistance to progress uh, to a certain degree because i'm at the i'm i'm legitimately at this point where i'm just like i just i'm so sick of things you know Mm -hmm. i'm like we've gone too far Mm -hmm. like uh, the reason that i think that is because we're just effectively like becoming our own gods Mm -hmm. like in in my mind like you can have whatever you want in like immediately like i can order something from amazon right now and delivered to my door Mm -hmm. in two days i can you know if i want to talk to somebody i can send them a message right now like it's like i live fairly safe i'm protected by like you know everything around me is Mm man-made i can go where i want to in a matter of minutes Mm -hmm. that would normally have been three days journey you know and so (laughs) i i don't know it's just it's so weird to me that we've gone so far and gotten what we've wanted and now we just like want more in the world you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that's really Mm -hmm. really bad Mm -hmm. i'm like i guess i'm like almost forcing myself to be more humble or like forcing Mm -hmm. some sort of humility on myself like no i literally can't do anything without Mm -hmm. god and that's true. And I think the people that can recognize like this all first is not possible without God. Second is far beyond like like is minuscule compared to what God is capable of. And third is not fulfilling in the way that God is. Right. You know, the people that are mature enough to recognize that great. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, I can say that I recognize it, but I don't know if I'll put that into practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I kind of want to separate myself from those things a little bit. Like, obviously I'm not going to like not own a car and, (laughs) you know, make my kids grow up in like a log cabin or anything like that. Um, Obviously I'm going to have a phone. Obviously I'm going to have a car and, you know, and stuff. But it's like interesting to recognize progress as an idol. Yeah. And probably like globally that has been true Mm -hmm. or at least here in america Mm -hmm. and and yeah just like every other idol ultimately is not satisfying like you always are left wanting more like it's just not it is not meeting our needs yeah it's i and we actually talked about this in a class recently but i think that i think that the big idol that people are facing is the self Hmm. i think there's some sort of like um cultural thing going on um 
I can't, I don't even know how to put it into words because it's like almost undefinable. But like you are in charge of yourself, but you can also demand things of other people and they have to submit to you. Hmm. That's true of you, but that's also true of everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's this weird form of like deism, right? Like we have become our own deities. Mm-hmm. And um, I I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I don't like the idea of like, you can demand things of me or I can demand things of you based on what I want. Mm-hmm. I like this idea of like a, a bit of a collective responsibility within a community. Yeah. Like I don't think I'm responsible to a person in New York City, <laughs> but I do think I'm responsible to the people who well live on my floor and in my building mm-hmm. in particular. Even people all throughout CCU, not really particularly responsible to them, but if somebody in my floor needs help, yeah. I'm going to help them. You know, I like that idea of like a, a collective responsibility but i don't get to demand things of you i don't Mm -hmm. get to tell you how to act around me i don't get to tell you to submit to my rules but it seems like that's where we're going Mm -hmm. and i don't like that at all well kind of similarly i've always thought like with social media that it opens us up to like carry all the the problems of the entire world that we like weren't meant to like Mm -hmm. it is Our access to news is amazing. Like, it's incredible that we can know what's happening everywhere. But it also means that we feel some level of responsibility to it. So, like, how many causes can I care about? Like, I can't carry all of these things. So, like, then how do you choose? And I think that's been really, like, interesting to me. Like, a friend, I think one of the first times I was introduced to the concept of, like, compassion fatigue was in that context. A friend just saying, like our ability to watch the news and know all the tragedies that are happening all over the world is just so overwhelming to us. Like we're just never meant to have access to all of that information because then we feel responsible for it. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting to me about like the term systemic racism that I've seen recently. I'm like, you know what? That is like, um, I want to tread lightly here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll say this. I do believe that it is a problem, and I'm glad to see that there are people paying attention mm-hmm. to it. I think it's a pretty big problem, but I also don't think it's the only problem. Right. Um, and so it's interesting to me because the way, like, it obviously, like, you know, caught – it's a term that I had heard well before this summer, mm-hmm. but that I definitely heard the most this summer. Yeah. Um, and uh, I – um. Yeah, it's just really interesting to me, like how quickly that caught on. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's it's like the buzzword. It's like the topic. It's like the, oh, we saw this happen. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about this. I'm going to put in my 10 cents. Two cents, I think, yeah. <laughs> well, the, everyone's giving their 10 cents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like everyone cares about that, like, mm-hmm. and I understand why. But there's like a lot of other problems, you know, like it's really and now you almost have to frame those problems in the lens of systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Right. Like in order to get any sort of traction, like I've seen a lot of like nonprofits on social media and stuff like that, like they probably made statements when the uh, George Floyd event happened. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Like I'm glad you did. Um, But I've seen them shift their I don't want to say marketing because that seems like dirty. Um, but they, they've shifted, like, let's say it's a homeless ministry, um, or a homeless shelter or something like that. They've shifted from talking about, um, the problems just of homelessness broadly yeah. to how systemic racism causes homelessness. Mm. 
And that's just really interesting to me mm-hmm. because I'm like, I don't think that that's the cause or that's the only cause right. of homelessness, you know? And I just, it seems like everybody's focused on that and like hyper focused on that. Yeah. When there's a lot of other things that go on in the world, mm-hmm. you know? So I understand why people talk about it and I'm glad that they do because, like I said, I think it is a problem. But oh, I, I feel like there's so many different issues. Yeah. And like, I think once our like narrow focus kind of widens and we see all the problems we're going to be like whoa mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. there's a lot and uh at some point we're either going to have to like say well we'll tackle all of them or like right. well hopefully they work themselves out mm-hmm. yeah i've al- always wondered like yeah we all have things that we're like more passionate about than others and mm-hmm. so if we all really paid attention to like the cause that the Lord like lays on our hearts and we all did the work to like help in that area, then surely we would cover all of the things. Mm -hmm. But in this like moment in history, that does feel like the cause. Mm -hmm. And I think it is important that we all care about it. Mm -hmm. It, Yeah. It's complicated. I think, cause I'm like, I wouldn't want to say like, well, some people can care about that and others shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all need to care about it. But I, yeah, without laying down all the other things that we need to be caring about and, mm-hmm. you know, like homelessness or, yeah. you know, all kinds of, you know, sex trafficking, all of the things. So or even just like the mental health yeah, that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. So what does it look like to like share? To partner like in caring about different causes and different mm-hmm. issues in the world well yeah. and it's also that we all don't agree on the same values mm-hmm. right so we in the i want to say i want to say in the christian community but like the church is not in america the community that it should be mm-hmm. but like in the american church and that's not meant to be like a derogatory statement i'm just saying like yeah. Um, in the American church, I feel like our general focus should be like, well, sin. I mean, that should be the global church, mm-hmm. but specifically in the American church, like what, what, what sin is going on in this country? How do we tackle the sin that is in this country? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? And um, I don't know. I. <laughs> it's big. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very big, but we should all like care about those sins. Right. It's so weird to me, though. Because I feel like the church is way more divided than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. We've obviously had some pretty hard times in the church recently, um, just with like some of our leaders like showing their flaws and often not seeking forgiveness, mm-hmm. and like that's been hard. But uh, we seem more divided than we should be, mm-hmm. even with that considered. Yeah, like it seems like we should be more united, but I feel like politics has really driven a wedge. And I think C.S. Lewis talks about that in Screw Tape Letters, where he he talks yeah. about like get 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 him focused on politics you know get the subject focused on Mm -hmm. politics because when they focus on that they'll be distracted from Mm -hmm. god or something like that which ultimately i think it's really distraction that's like the tool of the devil like whatever it is that he can distract us with whether it's politics or anything else Mm -hmm. it's like well if they're distracted then they're not you know living on mission and nothing gets done and that i think yeah we get distracted by the divisions and any other issues and then we're just not doing what we're supposed to be doing also it's interesting to me with politics i feel like everyone should just say 
I'm never going to get what I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I have a surprising amount of like libertarian friends, hmm. which is interesting to me, but they're always like, you know, taxation is theft. And I'm like, you realize for the rest of your life, you are going to be taxed. Right. I understand that you can complain about it, but it's never going to change. It, yeah. You can <laughs> be mad, but you're going to be mad for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just like, you're never going to get what you want. Like, I was going to say something really bad. This is a <laughs> this is a clean podcast. Um, yeah, but like there are things that I certainly don't like about politics. I have my opinions, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting what I want. Like, I'm not going to. So yeah. I'm just going to focus on the things that I can control in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're right now hyper fixated on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to get us away from that. Because I have, like I said, I care in certain ways Mm -hmm. and I have my opinions, but man, (laughs) man, I just want to focus on different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) The world is crazy right now. (laughs) Yeah. We're in a weird time. But on a positive note, uh, it seems like this COVID thing is starting to wrap up, Uh you know, I know, like the vaccines rolling out. It seems like the spread is going down. Seems like less and less people are dying. Mm-hmm. And we might be able to open up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Like life might go pretty much back to normal. It's like weird to be at almost like one year. Yeah. Of, you know, when for us it really like became a reality. Yeah. And to be like, dang, okay, we really are like, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like yeah. even if we have some months or, you know, mm-hmm. many months even. Of still like dealing with some of it, it's like surely the worst is yeah. behind us, and that feels like wow. I really, I wasn't sure we were ever gonna get here. Yeah, and I think the big thing for me was like I really don't mind wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I really don't mind doing my part to socially distance. I think the thing that was weird for everyone was like the fear. For yeah. me, it wasn't a fear for my own life. It was a fear of what if I carry it to somebody who can't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, survive. Yeah. Um. But I'm glad to see, like, okay, things seem to be going a lot better, and that seems to be going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy about it because I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to be stressed about going to see, like, my right. older relatives. I don't have to be stressed about who I hang out with for what reason, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it challenged all of these things we've been talking about. about yeah. like, you know, our, like, addiction to progress and <laughs> all politics, the, mental health. All of health. a sudden it was like, oh, we don't know anything about this and we have no control. And what do we do with mm-hmm. that? So, and we've seen, I mean, the speed with which we've, like, had vaccines that have worked yeah. is, like, pretty phenomenal. Like, that's yeah. the positive of progress, I guess. So, yeah, but it has is put us in a place of like, oh, we have no, we actually have no control over our yeah. lives. <laughs> and I think one of the best things that I saw from, you know, this whole COVID thing, unfortunately, like, you know, there was some stuff this summer that just like, whoa, there's some big problems mm-hmm. and that caused a lot of division. Mm-hmm. Um, then the election happened that caused a <laughs> lot of division. But I remember specifically at the very beginning of the, um, the uh, quarantine, um, and pretty much at this point, everyone was in quarantine. Everyone mm-hmm. was really scared. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like feeling like I was with um, my fiance's family at the time. Well, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I was with <laughs> yeah. that family. Um, and uh, there was some sort of like unity because we were all like, yeah, we were all like scared, mm-hmm. but we were like together. Mm-hmm. And then we would like put like we would make like 
uh, baskets for our neighbors of like snacks and like mm. food items and toiletries and things like yeah. that. Um, and so we would just hand them out to the neighbors. We'd put them on their porches and stuff like that. We would always go on walks, but we would stay clear of other people. Yeah. And um, I remember like even politically, like there are people who, um, and again, I'm not taking a stance, but they were like, yeah, we're working together. Like yeah. we're working with the president and we're working on behalf of you guys. We want to get this under control. And I remember like the first two or three weeks, it was like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Like this is really we're on the same boat. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel good about where we're at. Yeah. It did end up becoming political because <laughs> we all want conflict. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, yes, we've been in it for a long time, but it seems like we're going out of it. And I feel like if we're all just like, yep, let's do our part and let's get out of it, we can we can yeah. get there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, me too. Sweet. Well, we're been, we've been about an hour. Do you uh, have anything that you would like to close on? Uh, anything that you'd like oh, to wow. add? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. This has all been good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any questions for, for the host? Wow. Okay. Um, what's the best tweet you've ever tweeted? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love this question. <laughs> okay. Um, I've had some... I've had some good ones. I'm going to go check out my Twitter right now. Um, I was really proud of a video that I made because I was gone from Twitter for like three years. And then I came back and I had like a, <laughs> I spent like eight hours editing you know, like a 30 <laughs> second video just for fun. So good. Um, I'll show that to you at some point. Um, I don't know. It's It's been a while because there's um like, I have some from like before... I left that I thought were pretty cool, mm-hmm. but I don't remember them um, for the most part. I didn't have any that went really viral, uh, but for a while I was getting like, a, I had like some pretty loyal followers. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, here's one that got pretty famous for me. I'm confused why, because this people, this is right when people started to use the word thick. <laughs> <laughs> to describe other people uh-huh. um and i i said i'm confused why thick as frick hasn't caught on yet um oh oh okay i know my favorite tweet um it was uh it's from proverbs 15 um okay i need to look this up because i, I desperately want to end on this um okay proverbs 15 and i'm gonna have to scroll through it a little bit um I, I don't exactly know. Oh, come on. Ah, here we go. Proverbs fifteen seventeen. I don't like this version, so I'm going to switch it to uh, later. NIV. Um, nope, I don't like that version either. Progress. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Yes, progress. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly different translations of the Bibles. Um, I tweeted... <laughs> Proverbs fifteen seventeen: A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak with someone you hate. And I was like, I'm going vegan with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> no one else liked that because no. people that I followed in high school were very Christian. Yeah, but like I thought that was the coolest thing That's ever. So amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That's really good. Well, Callie, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I'd love to do this again uh-huh. at some point. But this was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, fun times. Thank you.